Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. They didn't just see the little lifeboat and go, hey, nice lifeboat, as it went by. They both came to Jesus. You see, the touch of Jesus was the common thing. Their faith was not based in a formula. It was based in a person. It was based in Jesus Christ. Their faith was active. They took a step, even though it was an imperfect step. What does it mean to be a Christian, to be a Christ follower? Well, first of all, it means that you're born again, you've been cleansed and forgiven, you've been saved by what Jesus has done. His sacrifice, His shed blood made a way for you to spend eternity with God in heaven. It also means that you believe in God. It means that you believe what He says, that you have faith in Him and His Word, that you desire to do what's right, to heed His voice. So, if you call yourself a believer, are you a person who truly trusts God? Do you apply His Word to your life? Are you a disciple? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verse 27, for the conclusion of our message entitled, Faith Makes a Difference. we'd be very surprised if we went through our neighborhoods, homes that look happy, homes that look complete, cars in the driveway, new things, kids playing, whatever. I believe we'd be very surprised if we would go into some of those homes and find people at a dead end, without hope, desperate, unknowing of Jesus and his love. Who's going to share the reputation of Jesus, you and I. See, one day someone shared with you how good Jesus was and his reputation. That's why you're here. We must not forget the hopeless and the desperate. These two people didn't come because of a radio announcement, because of a nice commercial on TV. These people came because another person shared the reputation of Jesus Christ. Now when she came, verse 27 continues on, it says, She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. If I'll just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Well, what kind of faith is that? That's well, pretty imperfect. She didn't have the right theology. She didn't know the Bible. The Bible wasn't even written. She didn't really understand. And like many at that day, the common belief was that if you could touch the clothes of a holy man, you would be healed. But like Jairus, she didn't care what anybody thought. She didn't care if anybody recognized her coming through the crowd. She didn't care if she made them unclean. She was going to find a way to touch Jesus. She was at a dead end. This was the last lifeboat going by. There was nothing else. Her last chance. So she reached out with this imperfect, kind of crazy theology faith and touched Jesus. Verse 29, her bleeding 
stopped. First time in 12 years. And she felt in her body that she was freed from the other suffering or the pain that we mentioned instantaneously. Now remember a few years ago many of the churches went through this positive confession jazz. It was meant well but went way off the deep end. You see positive confession says that you just claim whatever you want in the name of Jesus and it will happen. This lady didn't claim Jesus is going to heal me and she didn't leave bleeding and in pain. You see, if you claim Jesus has healed you and you leave the same way you came and you tell the people all around, you know, Jesus healed me and you're still coughing up blood and can't walk and whatever, people don't want to know the Jesus you're talking about. This woman left. Wasn't positive confession. It was a true healing. Now, you can claim all you want in faith, and I think you should do that, but don't talk to other people. Don't let people think you're crazy. You see, that positive confession thing almost bordered on another area that's totally unscriptural, and that's that area of this claiming of that you and I are never even sick. Christian science says, sick? Pain? There's no such thing. It's all in your mind. It wasn't in her mind, it was in her body. Now, because of that abuse, many of us have taken the area of faith and just thrown it out. My friend, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So faith is right. But faith will show itself true. This woman didn't claim it. She claimed it and it happened. And Jesus healed her immediately. This was an instantaneous supernatural healing. What kind of faith was it? Well, it was imperfect faith. She didn't really understand. She kind of thought it was this magical touch and she was healed. But she was persistent, wasn't she? She says, I'm going through and touch him regardless. I love it when I see this imperfect, persistent faith because God honored it. That gives me great hope. Your faith ever weak? This lady knew nothing, but God honored it. Verse 30, and at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. And he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the woman getting her healing knowing her character, wanted to slip away unnoticed. She didn't know this Jesus. She didn't know if she would be ostracized or yelled at or whatever. She just knew that she'd been healed and she wanted to leave. But this Jesus knew that this woman had been an outcast. He wanted to show her that she had touched the very power of God. He was not going to let her go. So Jesus says, and remember his disciples are there, they're trying to learn how to minister. And Jesus says, who touched me? And you can imagine that it has to be Peter saying, look at the next verse. Here's Peter saying, give me a break, Jesus. Are you nuts? Do you need some coffee? Do you need to wake up? What's your problem? There's thousands of people around you. They've been touching you for hours. What do you mean, who touched me? Can you see Peter saying it? It's what it says. I put some one of the wordings to it, but look at what verse 31 says. You see the people crowding against you as disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. You see, what I find is that the disciples do what often we do. Jesus had just ministered in the Spirit. 
the disciples were thinking physical. You see, I believe as Christians, very often we sit here and the word's going forth, God's moving, and some of us, many of us say, who was touched by that? What was that? How can anything be happening? Because we're looking physically. And Jesus was trying to say to his disciples, hey, at any point during the day, you may be leaving the physical and working in the supernatural. Now notice, Jesus wasn't weird. When she touched him, he didn't go, somebody touched me. The power has gone out from me. And start shaking. He wasn't weird. Don't be weird. What Jesus was saying was this. In my physical walk, something spiritual just happened. You see, that's the way our life should be. Always praying in the Spirit. Never, We're not weird. He wasn't weird. I believe he was probably talking and then knew that happened. So he stopped. Do you know this morning, there are many of you sitting here and in churches across this world who sit every week in services. They hear the Word of God. They hear spiritual things. And they believe in Jesus. They believe in God. But they've never moved past the physical. They've touched up against him. But nothing has ever happened spiritually in their heart. See, Jesus was trying to say it's more than a physical touch. It's a thing of the spirit. So Jesus does this. And he challenges the disciples to begin to walk by faith and not miss out on the supernatural. Verse 33, Then the woman, knowing what happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. See, she's fearful. And he said to her, the only time this is noted in the Bible, the word daughter, an enduring term. Can you imagine what that meant to her? Not ever been able to touch anybody, ostracized. And Jesus says, daughter. He says, the touch of my robe has healed you. Is that what he said? He says, the magical words you used just before you touched me healed you. No. He says, your faith, your faith has healed you. I'm encouraged again. This imperfect faith, she doesn't even understand what's happened. She's thinking this is a magical man. And God honored her desperate faith. Man, does that encourage me this morning. Because he knew she was desperate. And she meant it. Even though she didn't have it all together. You see, I believe the reason Jesus didn't let her go through the crowd and leave without confronting her was this. She probably would have left and said to her friends, do you know if you can just touch his clothing, you'll be healed. It's that magical touch that does it. Jesus said, no, it isn't magical. It's your faith in who you touched, even though you don't understand it. You see, he wanted to say Christianity is not a physical thing. 
It isn't coming and giving your tithes and coming every week and sitting and singing the nice hymns and the choruses and working in the kids' ministry and doing all that. It isn't a physical thing. It's a thing of the Spirit. Those that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. And look at the next word. This is the exciting part for me. And he says to her, Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now the word peace in the Greek here means this. It covers wholeness, well-being, prosperity, security, friendship. Wow. And salvation. Salvation? She doesn't even know what he's talking about. Jesus said to her, Yes, your physical body has been changed, healed. But there's another area of your life that I've also touched. You don't even know I've touched it. You see, the real you and me is not physical. A few years later, we don't know when, this lady who had been totally healed died. And Jesus knew there was another healing that was needed. You see, in your life and my life, you might think you're young, but one day you will die. So will I. And what Jesus was saying to this lady was this. You were born in sin. You're a sinner. There's only one way to have eternal life, and that's through me, Jesus. You don't know it. You don't even know you're a sinner. But I'm offering you peace, salvation, forgiveness of sins, so that when you die... Eventually, you'll spend eternity in heaven with me. You see, that's the only thing that really matters this morning. And I believe with all my heart, one of the reasons God left me here was that I might, as many times as I have left, proclaim to you His goodness and His salvation. For we all will live somewhere else one day. Different times, different ways. None of us know that. But we will live either in hell separated from God or in heaven with God because of his grace and his peace. So he says to this woman, go in peace. You are healed. Point number three, faith destroys fear. And while Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, and said, your daughter is dead. And they said, why bother the teacher anymore? Now we move to the other stereo again. Remember, we've left Jairus. Now Jairus had been leading Jesus, you remember, before this other story. What do you think went on in the heart and the mind of Jairus when he's thinking Jesus is behind him and he hears his commotion and he looks behind and Jesus has stopped. And here is Jesus, way back over here, ministering to this woman. What's happening in Jairus' life? Is he saying... This is really neat. This lady really needs a touch from Jesus. I'm glad you've stopped and forgot about my situation and you're ministering to her. That's a nice thing you're doing, Jesus. No, I believe Jairus is saying this. What are you doing? My daughter's 12. This is an older lady. She can wait. I got you first. There's a great need. You promised you're coming. Where are you? Doesn't that sound more like us? Often God's delays will bring a greater miracle and blessing in our lives. Now you need to write that one down somewhere around Hebrews 11 because you won't believe it, 
But there will come a time in your life when God delays and doesn't answer your prayer. And you'll say something like Jairus, why have you forgotten me? Now the situation is totally hopeless. My daughter's dead. And you'll find that Jesus uses that delay for a greater miracle. See, his ways are not our ways. And secondly, you might want to write this down. God's delays are not denials. He hasn't forgotten you. Look at verse 36. Jesus ignoring what they said. Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. You see, Jesus overheard the announcement of her death. He heard what the men had said to Jairus. He knew that what happened in the heart of Jairus was this. Fear had replaced faith. Fear had replaced faith. See, fear always destroys faith. Fear is unbelief. These men have come and said, it's nice that Jesus was coming, but there's no use now. The situation is hopeless. And Jesus says, hey, faith can destroy fear as well as fear can destroy faith. Max Lucado says something really wonderful, and I want to show you, and I'll put it up on the board, and you'll see this in a moment. Faith sometimes begins by stuffing your ears with cotton. You ready? Now, I'm asking you to remember this. I know we'll see it at a Christmas play. Something will happen. But what is Jesus saying here? You see, Jairus started with faith. And Satan came and he said, Your faith is based on nothing. There's no hope your daughter's dead. And Jesus said, ignoring what they said, he says, Jairus, stick some cotton in your ears. Satan is a liar. And he will destroy your faith if you listen to what he says. Now, don't wear cotton tomorrow at work. But I want you to understand what I just said. Not only will Satan destroy your faith, but many unbelievers and many Christians can destroy your faith. They'll say to you, you're believing for what? See, if God's given you a promise, stuff it. And you just go on with what he told you, he said. Must be biblically based, must be in his will. Don't go off weird. These people claim all the stuff that God's never promised and then say God's at fault. God isn't at fault. We have not because we ask now, but sometimes we have not because we ask way outside his will. So don't be weird. But when he tells you, all these people that want to come to you, just remember. And this is what happened. These well-meaning people say to Jairus, hey, don't even ask him to come. It's hopeless. And Jesus says, Jairus, stuff your ears with cotton. Ignore what they're saying. Point number four says, faith comes by hearing and believing the word of God. What Jesus is really saying is this, Jairus, when we started this walk, you were believing, you were trusting me. So what he really means there with that Greek word is this, keep on believing. Don't listen to the doubters. Just believe my word. Verse 37, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. See, these were professional mourners. 
the Jewish people would hire people to come in and mourn for you and cry and wail. Would you like to be that as a profession? What do you do? You're a mourner. Actually, some of you do a pretty good job at it and you're not even a, a professional. What do you think happened to Jairus' faith when he turned the corner and saw his house with the mourners in front and he heard the sound? How do you think Jairus' faith was? You see, I believe Jairus' faith is like this. Gives me even more excitement this morning. You see, he knew now that she was dead. The mourners were in place. I believe his faith sunk. It says he went in, Jesus went in and said, Why all this commotion and wailing? A child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. You remember when you laughed at God's word? <laughs> God was gracious, wasn't he? Be gracious. They don't understand. There's always people laughing at God's word. But I tell you, God's word is the only thing that will stand. What does Jesus do? He puts them out, it says. Mild-mannered Jesus. You know, in our terminology, they stuff it. Get out of the room. Why? He didn't want unbelief around him. You see, unbelief hinders faith. And Jesus says, remove them. I don't want them in here. They're laughing, they're scorning, they're not believing. We'll remove them. He took her by the hand and he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and walked around. Now she'd been dead. And she was able to get up and walk around immediately. I couldn't do that three days after surgery. And here she is, dead. Dead. You see the miracle? It's not, she didn't have to go through cardiac rehab. She was whole. Perfectly whole. What was the response of this? At this, they were completely astonished. You know, we need to get back to the place, as Christians, we're just astonished at all the things God's doing. And he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this because his time hadn't come yet. He didn't want him to be known as a person that just raised the dead. He wanted to be known for salvation. And he told them to give her something to eat. Point number five, faith must be active. Whose faith caused the young girl to be raised from the dead? Was it the young girl's faith? Obviously not. It was Jairus' faith. And yet there was enough of that faith that God raised somebody from the dead. But notice, in both of these illustrations, both of these true stories, even though their faith was wavering, imperfect, judged in the wrong place, doctrinally not perfectly correct, both of their faith was active. They didn't just see the little lifeboat and go, hey, nice lifeboat, as it went by. They both came to Jesus. You see, the touch of Jesus was the common thing. Their faith was not based in a formula. It was based in a person. It was based in Jesus Christ. Their faith was active. They took a step, even though it was an imperfect step. God honored it. We learned today that real faith is active. Understand that it's easy to say you have faith and believe in God. But when times get tough, that's when you really find out where your faith lies. 
You see, when we have faith in God, when we truly believe in what He says, actions will follow. By His grace, we'll begin to walk by faith. We'll begin to do the things that He desires of us. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series the next time you join us. For those of you that like to have CD archives of Bible teachings, we'd like to offer you a CD of Pastor Mark's message from today. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5. This is only to cover the materials and shipping it takes for you to receive your CD. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option. Now, here's Josh with today's message number and title. The title of today's message is Faith Makes a Difference, and the message number is MB3125. Again, the title of today's message taken from the Gospel of Mark is Faith Makes a Difference, and the message number is MB3125. Or if you'd like, you can just remember today's date. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we'll discuss the world of unbelief. We learn that when we're struggling with trust, when we worry, we're lacking in faith. We're not believing in the promises of God. But Christian, we can't live like that. If we say we're of Him, then we should have faith and believe that what He says, He will do. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 